Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Before the iPhone was produced, people used to just have flip phones and stuff like that. Trying to explain to somebody that you're going to have an iPhone that's got GPS, that's connected to the internet, that's got this and that, you go, okay, but how how's that going to benefit me? So I, I don't know if you realized, but you just tied these two disparate strategies together. So you, you were telling me- It was a plan, mate. I knew oh, that yeah, I was doing yeah. that. No, nobody believed that. <laughs> I think the customer journey is another angle of looking at this. So at different stages in the process, people will have more cognitive resources available to them, or in other stages, they'll be more distracted. Ryan, you need to be smiling at the camera, mate, because we're now on YouTube. And we have a visitor, I looked at the stats, and Claire Hillman, who has sent us a pickle, said that she would be watching okay. uh, the YouTube channel. So, hi, Claire. How are you? Hope you're well. So, there you go. We've got a visitor to our YouTube channel. Pretty Very good. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so, Claire sent us a, a pickle. For those of you, I know we've had a number of new listeners. The stats have gone mad over the last few months. The numbers of people that are, I don't know if I told you this. So we do a, I do a newsletter mm-hmm. on LinkedIn called Why Customers Buy. We have 35,000 subscribers on LinkedIn. So it's not a newsletter that's produced by us. It's produced by LinkedIn. And we have 35,000 subscribers. And believe it or not, it's gone up to 69,000 subscribers in the last two months. So Crazy. I don't know what we're doing. If I'm totally honest with you, uh, but whatever it is, we just got to carry on doing it. So if you want to subscribe to the newsletter as well, then please just go to my profile on LinkedIn or type in why customers buy and the other 69,000 people of which Claire was one of them. Claire has a pickle for us and a pickle is a business problem that she has and wanted our advice. And the pickle is, should I move to where my customers are? Or should I move my customers to where I want them to be? Yeah. So should I move, you know, my offering and stuff like that around for the customer and go to where they are? Or should I say, well, no, actually, I want to operate in this market over here and I'm going to move them from there to here? It's a really philosophical pickle. It is. It is. And as I started to think about it, I was thinking, well, from a customer-centric perspective, you should argue that you should go to where your customers are. But it may be, then I started to think of two things. One is, well, maybe you can't afford that. The organization can't. Or maybe the customers don't know what the customers don't know. And actually moving them is actually going to be better for them overall. There's that famous Henry Ford quote about, you know, if I'd asked customers what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted 
faster horses. That's a very good point. So yeah, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they what they would prefer until they've actually seen it and done it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it started to make me think, uh, Claire, of, well, where are those things happening? Because when I first read this, I thought to myself, well, I'm not sure maybe that it's just the answer of, you know, you should go to where they are. But then I started thinking self-service. And we've done podcast on this. We'll put a link in the show notes. And we'll put a link into the show notes, by the way, for the YouTube channel as well. Check it out and subscribe if you can. Self-service is is one of them, isn't it? I, I went down to my local public store the other day, and this was actually interesting. They've obviously got these checkouts now that you can do self-service on. I love technology, as you're more than aware. yeah. But I find them quite annoying. But I, I'm trying to sort of educate myself on them. And one of the things that I noticed was that they have somebody wandering around effectively, you know, when you get a problem, going, hey, I've got a problem, come and solve it. And it was interesting because I said to the the woman said to me, she said, uh, I said, I don't know how, I think it was a red cabbage or something like that. I've got this red cabbage on, and I, I don't know if I'm buying it by weight or am I just buying a red cabbage is just one price what you know what do i do and she said oh you need to search and she said when i'm training people this is how i tell them to look for things and i thought yeah you're training me aren't you really mm-hmm. you're and you're moving me from one place that you don't want me to queue up at the checkout anymore you want me to use this for obvious reasons and actually you're investing in training me in doing that And it was the word training that really struck me. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So that would be an example of moving customers to where you want them to be. Before we dig into this too much, like I'll I'll, I'll call back to one of our previous topics that we love covering, which is segmentation. Take something like uh, self-checkout there are a lot of people who are very annoyed by this and they, they're very unpleased that they have to do this themselves. And this used to be a service that's right out of the store. There's a segment of the market though, uh, me, who appreciates it because it's a, a less disruptive transaction for me. Typically I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook when I'm shopping. And uh, anytime I have to go through a, a checkout man by a clerk, then I need to pause what I'm doing and have a conversation. And they ask me about questions that I never... I, I, and you having a conversation with somebody is a problem awful. in itself, isn't it? Awful for everyone. It's terrible <laughs> all the way across the board. No, they always ask, like, have you, did you find everything that you needed today? Like, like I wouldn't be up here if I didn't already have everything that I needed. No, and then you turn around and say, no, I didn't. Could you tell me where the tomato yeah. ketchup is, please? No, better, I'm just going to go that. back to the tomato ketchup. Go on back the and get it for me. Yeah, like, I don't <laughs> – who are these people who are saying, like, oh, no, I didn't find what I Anyway, yeah. I, I know they're just being polite. The clerks are, so I don't. Sure. For me, it's it's often unless I have like a massive order, it's often more convenient for me. I prefer it. so. So again, we need to think about like the fact that different groups of customers are different and might have different preferences around these things. So for me, it's not necessarily moving me anywhere. I'd prefer to be here. For other groups of customers, it is moving them, and you're having to retrain them and get them to do things differently. And let's pause for a moment because I think that's a really important point because if you take that 
there are going to be a segment of the customers, and we're only just talking here about self-service, who never want to do that. At the end of the day, and here's another interesting point, if that group of customers that don't want to move account for 20% of your revenue, maybe it's not a good idea. Right. Yeah. Or maybe there's a hybrid approach that you need to take, which clearly is what they're doing at the moment. If I think of some other shifts that have been made, there's the whole area around subscriptions. And again, we did a podcast on that a little while ago. There's the whole area of digital and obviously getting people to buy online now, which is clearly, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier, which is at the end of the day, this may be better for the customer in the long term. They just don't recognize that it's good for them. So yes, it's good for the organization to be digital, but guess what? It's good for the customer to have things delivered to their house and being able to find the answers to questions without having to go down to a shop and you know return things or whatever it may be, and mobile apps, etc. But I think your point of the segmentation becomes key as well, doesn't it? When we're making this consideration of whether to meet customers or move customers, I, I do think going back to what customers value is going to, to drive that decision. Um, you know, like, like you said, the, the impulse reaction is to give customers what they want, which means that you never move the customer. You always meet them where they're at. But I think that's kind of a shallow understanding of customer value. Yes, I agree. People tend to prefer the status quo. They tend to prefer not to change in many instances. Like I want to continue to do things the way that I've, I've always done them. So that's one value that people have. But then there are, there are a whole set of other values here. And so your job, as you're trying to, to meet the needs of your customer, is can you look and see, all right, so the change itself might be a little bit painful, but once they get over that hurdle, there's a whole host of new benefits that they are going to discover after they experience this. So going digital, for example, like if I've been used to paying my bills, by getting a bill in the mail and then putting it on a physical stack of bills. And then on a certain day of the month, I sit down and I write a bunch of checks and then pay my bills that way. Then your offer to go digital, go paperless is not going to appeal to me. That's going to disrupt the way that I've been doing it. And yet if you can look past that to see, well, there's actually now a whole host of new benefits that you can get. Like we can now integrate it with your online banking. So you can now just, click a couple of buttons and it'll automatically send out the check without you writing it. It's easier for you to search and find what your bills were in past months, right? But none of that may be obvious to the customer until they've already experienced it, as opposed to like a, a change where it's like, oh, well, this is going to be much more convenient for me as a business. And so, sorry, customers, this is what's happening. That's not going to go over well. Yeah. And I, I think part of the issue becomes... So totally agree with you about value. And, and you know that we do this research around, we call the emotional signature that looks at, well, which parts of your experience drive value, okay? And when I say value, again, it's what the organization get, okay? And therefore, the, the issue for me becomes, how do you explain to customers what that new experience will be? So the issue becomes how do they know how can they appreciate what drives value does that make sense yeah so let me give you a, a more practical example so 
you can understand what we're talking about. Before the iPhone was produced, people used to just have flip phones and stuff like that. Trying to explain to somebody that you're going to have an iPhone that's got GPS, that's connected to the internet, that's got this and that, you go, okay, but how how's that going to benefit me? You know, because it was such a change, wasn't it? And to your point, you've got to have an experienced that. Turning around to somebody and saying, hey, we can now, if one organization doesn't do deliveries, home deliveries, turning around and, and saying, well, we can start doing home deliveries. Well, because people know what home deliveries are, they go, okay, so you're just another one of these organizations that's doing home deliveries, and I know what to expect here. But if you're moving them to something that they, they've never experienced before, the challenge becomes how do you articulate how, how do you articulate that, isn't it? Yeah, and what's remarkable to me is how often firms kind of don't even bother to try. They just like force this change on customers and then eventually customers will get the experience and they'll kind of discover these benefits for themselves. Um, but it's it's pretty frequent that like they're not making great efforts to explain the benefits and get customers to come along. They kind of force them and then that causes a lot of tension and then eventually things smooth out. Whereas if they did what you're suggesting and actually like got people excited about the change and explained it and articulated it well, then that might make the whole process a lot faster and easier. And again, it's making me think of, I've recently upgraded to OSI 16 the new operating system from Apple. And again, this talks to the segmentation piece. When I upgraded to that, what I immediately do is I then uh, go on to YouTube and I and I watch some videos of from different people that I subscribe to and learn the, the new things, okay? Lorraine, my wife, hates upgrading her phone. She absolutely hates it. And what I've learned is I need to upgrade my phone, work out how the new things work, then think to myself, right, so if I now need to upgrade the Lorraine, what are the advantages that Lorraine has got? And then with my phone, I show her all the things that she could do. And this time it's the actually you could have the home screen you could have pictures of the grandkids and they could and those pictures could rotate as part of the the home screen uh, or you could have a widget on your home screen and that's a really good thing so we need to upgrade your phone don't we? Uh, um, so i'm actually doing this like this whole pickle which is i'm moving her from a one place to another but that's a sort of a classic example yeah, and and you're following one of the key principles of positioning which is you, you can't throw the kitchen sink at people. You explain to them the benefits, but you should really focus on one or two things and emphasize that this is the advantage of moving because otherwise it just gets lost and, and people can't kind of cope with that information. So yeah, are you making the effort to, if you want to move people, are you making the effort of explaining why and explaining the advantages and really focusing on one or two key benefits that the change will provide to them? 
How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. Let me give you another example, because this is an interesting one as well. And again, it's the iPhone stuff. Do you use focus? You know, the, I don't know if you know, but the iPhone has got different focuses now, not focus on the camera perspective, but where he um, setting it to do not disturb or I'm at right. work or do you, do you use that at all? I'm familiar with the, the service, but no, I don't use it. Okay. I prefer so, to be distracted all the time. <laughs> Constant distraction. <laughs> so you know I'm a geek when it comes to all this stuff. All right. So I've now got lots of different focuses. So I I actually have a podcast recording focus. Oh, wow. Which basically means when I press that, Nothing comes, no calls come through, notifications come through, blah, 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 blah. Oh, see, I solved that by just not having any friends that would call me. It's, <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a longer, longer term issue. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is that I was with some friends the other week and they, were, they used me as, as their technical support. And they were saying, should I upgrade? I go, yeah, you should. And this was the last time, actually. I think this came out in OS 15, uh, the focuses. I said, yeah, you should use focuses. Focus, it enables you to do this, 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 and this. And they looked at me as, as if I was a bloody idiot because what I was doing was telling them how I use it, okay? I So it's great because I, I have a podcast recording. And they went, but we don't do podcasts. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I do it for this. Yeah, well, I don't. We don't measure our sleep, so I don't have to put my watch in sleep mode. And I'm going. I'm actually thinking to myself. Yeah, what I'm doing here is I'm not explaining it to my audience, the advantage from their perspective, and they don't even really understood what focus was about. Let alone, you know, they're going. Well, I've just got the switch on the side, and I can just turn that to effectively do not disturb. We've got some of my friends. It's interesting because if when I send them a text and I'm if I'm sending a, them a text from the UK and it's I don't know ten o'clock in the morning UK time, it's five o'clock in the morning US time, and they haven't even put their phones on do not disturb. So I now wake them up. Okay, so I've learned not to send them texts at, until lunchtime, and then I'm thinking I'm getting very frustrated because I think I want to send them a text, but I better not send them a text because they're gonna I'm gonna wake them up. There you go. You need to start sending them those texts with instructions on how to turn their phone into do not disturb mode because then they would care. This is actually all related to this subject because I've done that, okay? And I've then said to them, and their answer is, I don't want to do that in case I get an important phone call, an urgent phone call. And I've gone, yeah, I totally agree, but you can set up your phone even if it's in do not disturb to accept calls in from certain contacts 
or you can set up your phone so if it rings three times anybody that tries you three times it will break the do not disturb and come through the point i'm trying to make is this is i'm not trying to turn this into an educational event for apple but the point i'm trying to make is again is it went past them because it was i just oh that just sounds so complicated that i'm just gonna not you know i'm just gonna not answer the phone and hope people don't don't phone me or i'm just going to turn it off so that speaks to going again that segmentation piece of how do i move somebody to that area doesn't it so i i don't know if you realized but you just tied these two disparate strategies together so you you were telling it was a plan mate i knew that i was doing that no nobody (laughs) believed that But you you told the story about moving or trying to move your friends, right? Explaining all of these new features and benefits, but that you weren't doing it from their perspective. Um, And I I think that that's where this maybe collapses this distinction back down into serving your customers. Um, You said that I was explaining it from my perspective and that wasn't resonating with them. It suggests that even if we want to move people, we still need to meet them where they're at in terms of their messaging, right? We need to we need to explain to them about why we want them to move. Yes, from their perspective of solving the problems that they have now. So whether we want to meet them where they're at or whether we want to move them, we still need to kind of meet them even then, either in terms of providing them with something in their current state or moving them by appealing to their current concerns. But um, we always end up meeting them in, in some way. You know what? This is a good example because I think what happens is I get so excited about all these little changes that they make. Okay. It's like I'm an Apple representative and I'm just going, Bleh, look at all these changes. Isn't it great? This, this the, you know, look at all these features. And they're going, yeah, but for my life, it's, you know, you're just a geek calling. Go away and, you know, go away and get on with it, basically. Whereas when you approach your wife and say, well, this new update can have this widget that rotates through pictures of the grandkids. You are focusing on something that she cares about. This is a need that she has. This is something that would benefit her. And the fact that it does 99 other things, irrelevant, right? We're, we're now moving her to a new behavior, which is updating her phone by meeting her with something that she cares about. Yes. It's that balance, isn't it? Between the two, which is, the pain of change is worth the investment of the time and energy that it's going to take. And if the pain of change is too great, then I'm just, in fact, again, that goes back to our friend, my friends, doesn't it? Which is, uh, I'm not going to do all of that. That just sounds too complicated. Why would I try to fathom myself through, through all those things? Yep. So before we came on the podcast, you talked about mindset as well. Do you think this is addressing that? When you read the pickle to me, it, it occurred. So I, I use this terminology of meeting versus matching when I talk about system one and system two or the intuitive and the rational systems, as we've mentioned before in the podcast. You can think about sometimes your customers are in a very intuitive mode of, of thinking um, and they're focused on their emotions and, and kind of what feels right. And sometimes they're in a more rational mode of thinking. And if you are trying to persuade customers, then you have the choice of either meeting them in the mindset that they're in. So in other words, if you're talking to 
customers who have a more intuitive mindset, then you need to appeal to emotions. You need to make things super easy. If you're appealing to customers with a, um, a more rational mindset, then you need to come at them with facts and figures and, and strong arguments. And framing as well. Yeah, fr- the way that you frame the information. Uh, yeah. You can meet them in the mindset that they're in, or you can move them to a different mindset. So if you have an offering that is very intuitively appealing, maybe you need people to be in a more intuitive mindset when they evaluate it, which means you might um, have more success if they're distracted, if they're in a rush, if it's kind of a last minute purchase. If you have an offering that makes more sense kind of rationally, then maybe the opposite is true. You need to get them when they're fully rested, they can concentrate. So that that was the distinction that was made there. And I found it interesting that it came up in this pickle as well. I think that it is more general than just mindsets. Like you can talk yep. about matching and meeting customers across a bunch of dimensions, but it's also useful when when thinking about this system one system two or intuitive versus rational mindsets yeah and i know we've harped on about this before when we've had podcasts on segmentation but it horrifies me sometimes when you see organization segmentation where they go well we've got large customers medium-sized customers and small customers because you try to do this pickle you move them from one place to another you're totally ignoring all of that all of that stuff. And, and that's what drives change. Yeah, I, I think the customer journey is another angle of looking at this. So at different stages in the process, people will have you know more cognitive resources available to them, or in other stages, they'll be more distracted. Sure. Or in certain stages, certain like desires or needs or concerns will be more salient to them. And at other stages, different things will matter. So even when we're talking about moving or matching, It's important to know a lot about your customer when trying to even figure out which of those is possible. Yeah, sure. Totally agree. Okay, so as we bring this to a close, what what practical advice? Let's do our usual practical advice stuff. Um, Well, I want to start by uh, applauding, was it Claire? Who was the... Yep, Claire Hillman. Pickley, if I can coin the term. Yep. I mean, I want to applaud Claire for even asking the question. Like, I don't think that a lot of organizations even consider that this is a choice that you can make, that you can match your customers where they're at in terms of their needs or their mindsets, or you can move them. I think a lot of companies just do what they do and then expect customers to kind of show up. But this is a choice. And I think that it's it's a good problem to consider. So are we going to match them or meet them? Ultimately, it comes down to understanding the needs of those customers. People are generally looking to solve a problem. And so you can either solve that at a surface level and kind of meet them when they have identified the problem, or you can look and see, like, are there deeper problems that they really need solved? And that might require that we move them to a new place so that they can solve problems they didn't even realize they they had. No, I totally agree with all all of those. Let me add a few to those and some of these are are a bit more granular if you like yeah so if i go back to the example that i used of publics they've invested in having someone standing there who will train you on how to use the new system so you've got to put some investment in for people to train you on how to do that the other thing i would say is you've got to have some really good measurement at the beginning so 
here's the measures of you know the current customers in the current places this is what we're now going to measure and whatever's that's therefore important to you you should be making sure that you measure undoubtedly the new experience that you put in place is not going to be perfect at the beginning so if you're moving from customers from one place to another then you've got to learn from that so you've got to test it out you've got to learn from it and you've got to be prepared to make those changes as well i just reinforced that whole area about segmentation you've really got to understand your customers from a behavioral standpoint not just from a product standpoint and you've got to recognize that early adopters will move towards that change much more uh, and some will just be based upon their personality profiles will be either good or not so good at wanting to make those moves or technology or whatever it may be so we hope that's uh, been of use if we could ask you one thing to do for us that would be to do a review of the podcast that would really help us so if you could go on to whichever platform you're listening from and just do a a quick review that would really help us get the podcast out there and known even further and if you want to just sign up for the newsletter on on linkedin uh, again we'll put a link in the show notes but it's uh, why customers called why customers buy and you just go onto linkedin and search for it okay that's it we look forward to chatting to you next week okay cheers This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>